back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, it's always messy. And as we see Reformation happening in the CRC, things are getting messy. So we're taking the opportunity to talk to pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's happening in our denomination, but also to find out what Reformation might look like. We really appreciate all of you who are faithfully listening each week and faithfully sharing our content. Keep up the good work. The conversations are spreading throughout the Christian Reformed Church. So thank you. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's conversation with Lloyd Hemstreet. Lloyd, why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about who you are, um, your family, and then where you're at in ministry. Yeah, my name's Lloyd Hemstreet. I'm a pastor. I've been serving for four and a half years at Coopersville CRC. I'm married uh, to my wife, Christina. We've been married for 14 years. And um, family, how many kids we have has kind of always been a difficult uh, question to answer in our household. So we kind of have a history of that. Um, my mother passed away in 2006. I'm the oldest of five kids, and my father passed away in 2010. And so when he did, uh, my youngest sister came to live with us at that time. She was 16 years old, almost 17. So she lived with us uh, until she was 18 and heading off to college uh, while I was finishing up my undergrad at Kuiper College. Uh, then at, in my first year of seminary, we had our first child, my daughter, Abigail, who is eight now. And uh, when she was eight months old, my sister, another sister's three kids came to live with us. And so we got legal guardianship of them. Uh, they came in October of uh, my first semester of Hebrew. So that is a perfect time to expanding the family. Uh, so we got a nine, seven, and five-year-old. And one week we went from having a eight-month-old to the next week we had kids to get on the bus and homework when they came, came back. Uh, then my son was uh, born 20 months after my daughter. So uh, during the four years that it took me to go through Calvin Seminary, uh, our family went from zero to five children in the household. Wow during that time. So uh, yeah, uh, after I finished up at Calvin during the summer that I was uh, searching, looking for where I'd be called, my sister got back on her feet to the point that she was able to get her three kids back. Uh, but we were expecting number three ourselves and uh, received the call to Coopersville CRC, managed to pass classical examination and uh, setting up the ordination date, but the only Sunday that would work was the day before my wife's due date. Well, <laughs> my daughter was born five days before the due date. My son was born nine days before. That's okay. She'll, the baby will come early and, and everything will be fine. 
Well, that's not what happens. So about 3 a.m. on the morning of ordination, uh, my wife wakes me up and tells me it's time to go to the hospital. <laughs> I tell her something to the effect of I prayed to the Lord and that's not how it was going to work. And uh, then she <laughs> woke me up again and said, no, this is how it's going to work. <laughs> so we take off for the hospital and uh, get her in and all set up good, good there. And um, they start the epidural and things kind of slow down. So we're chatting back and forth about 7.30 in the morning. And we're like, well, I guess I go and get ordained. So went off, had the ordination service, called her on the phone right away afterwards. And she's like, nothing's happening here. Contractions aren't picking up or anything. You might as well have the welcome the pastor luncheon at, at your church and, and, and come after that. Uh, so that was our plan. But uh, I got off the phone with my wife and mentioned that to a couple of members that, well, I guess we'll have lunch. And the ladies of the congregation here in Coopersville told me they did not want me as their pastor if I didn't go and be with my wife. <laughs> so, so I ended up having lunch in the cafeteria with my mother-in-law that day. And, uh, and about four o'clock, our daughter, Lydia, was born. So wow. that's number three. Uh, we've added a number four since then. Then we also, about three years ago, got involved with an organization called Safe Families. And so it's uh, similar to foster care, but shorter term. And the parents don't lose custody uh, with the state stepping in, but their families in crisis, families in need. And so we've had the privilege of, uh, I think it's about 10 or 12 kids in the last three years that have been in our household with that. Um, the craziest time was for a week this past April, we made it up to eight kids in the household. Uh, so, so, wow. so yeah, so what does my family look like? Yeah, that's that's why it's kind of a, a tough question to answer. Yeah, yeah. ask me tomorrow and it might look way different, right? <laughs> it, could. it could, that's been our history. So yeah, well, so, yeah, that's a great testimony. Four kids, so. Yeah, that's praise God though. Busy homes are are a good thing with kids uh, kids all over the place, and uh, that's that's a huge thing. Yeah, and obviously my my wife is a superwoman because when I was in college and as well as in seminary, I worked full time throughout. So full time at seminary dealing with Hebrew, full time at the job I was working at, and she was handling everything. So she's wow. I think pretty highly of her. Yeah. Well, it sounds like now your call to ministry came a little later in life, right? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, I was, I grew up homeschooled. Uh, I, there are the homeschool families where they get done and they ace everything in college and go that way. I was the homeschooled where I got done at 18 and said, uh, yeah, I've had enough. I don't want to do any more of that. <laughs> And so uh, technically, I dropped out of uh, high school, and I'm a, I'm a high school dropout uh, with an MDiv now. So that's how <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, 18, I was done with that. Um, I grew up in Baptist churches. Baptist background was what my family was. And um, yeah, my grandparents were missionaries to Japan with uh, Baptist mid-mission, oh. so so I had ministry a little bit in the family in that way. I wasn't opposed to it, but at the same time, it wasn't something that I was looking to, to do. I was planning on just going into the business world and, and, and working and, and so forth. So that was what I did. Um, we were attending Baptist churches, and then we attended an OPC church for a couple of years. And as my 
family was getting ready to leave, go in a different direction. Some friends that were also leaving that church invited me to uh, Sparta Trinity CRC at that time. This was back in July 3rd of 2001 was the first time I think that I ever attended a CRC church in my life. Mm. And um, went there, was really blessed and encouraged by uh, Pastor C.J. Dendulk, that's uh, longtime minister at that congregation. And um, yeah, so I had some choices to make at that time. I was uh, 20 years old and deciding what direction am I heading? Am I going to the Baptist church with my parents or am I going to actually believe in baptizing babies and going to join the Reformed church? Uh, so Amen. I struggled with that for about a year and uh, worked through that and just came under an incredible conviction. I need to be baptized. I need to be a member of a church. I need to serve the Lord. And um, so I saw enough of, of infant baptism and uh, understood enough of covenant theology that I'm like, this is the direction the Lord's heading or uh, uh, leading me. So that's that's what we did. Uh, joined, became a member there, got involved in everything that I could, uh, all kinds of ministries as a 22, 23-year-old. Uh, some of them I learned were not my gifts and some <laughs> of them were more successful than others. But as I was serving there, there were some members that started saying, hey, Lloyd, have you considered a possible calling to ministry? I was uh, teaching Sunday school, preaching in the local jail with uh, uh, Forgotten Man Ministries and, and otherwise uh, involved at the church. And so said, you know, I wasn't really uh, against ministry, but I thought there were many in pulpits across America today and around the world that I do not believe are called there. And I did not want that to be me. And so that's kind of where I was stuck for a year, 18 months, something like that, serving in the local church, uh, learning as I did so, but at the same time, not going to push myself forward uh, in that. And then in fall of 2004, uh, I was helping out with the catechism classes on a Wednesday night. And afterwards, Reverend Dendalk said, hey, Lloyd, what's going on? I get calls from churches every, every week that are looking for godly ministers, conservative young men to come and serve. Where are things headed with you? I told him I didn't really know. I was, I was still trying to discern, see, and I pray about it. Well, at Sparta, every Thursday morning, the elders get together and pray. And so he asked me, hey, tomorrow morning, the elders are getting together. Can they pray? Well, obviously, you can't say, no, the elders are not allowed to pray. <laughs> I thought, sure, they could they could pray about it. That'll be a great thing. And, you know, maybe in three or six months, I'll know more. Well, I woke up that next morning with just a complete conviction that, no, I was called to ministry. I was called to uh, shepherd a local uh, congregation. And then it became a oh, well, now how do I get there? And uh, with this call in the CRC, the expectation is a seminary. And so I did a ACT test, got into Kuiper College, did a undergrad there in pre-seminary work, was really good, really appreciate the training I got at Kuiper, uh, and then went on to Calvin afterwards and graduated from there in 2016. So that was my uh, story of how the Lord called me into ministry. Yeah, praise God. And that's, uh, it's funny, because it's a similar story to me as well. I mean, I've, I was called into ministry, and I had, I did go to one year of college, and then I dropped out. 
and uh, mm-hmm. entered the working world and stuff. So when, yeah, when I received my call to ministry, I had to go back with a family and a job and go through my undergrad and seminary and, and all of that. But uh, there, there's something powerful about doing it that way too, I think a little later in life. Uh, yeah, um, no, the, the conviction that I had uh, with the, the way that the Lord called me into ministry you know, there were big roadblocks. There was uh, loss of parents and, and other challenges in the family along the way. But the Lord provided, the Lord opened doors, and I was going to keep going and, and until I completed the mission. And um thankful Amen. he led me through. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. I, one of our recent interviews we did here, too, we talked a lot about call to ministry. And I've talked about how just thankful I am that God, my call to ministry was just really strong and powerful and I couldn't shake it. Um, and that's really been one of the reasons why I'm still in ministry. Otherwise I would have walked away a long time ago, but I know I don't have that opportunity. And um, I was reading, I was reading through uh, Timothy and, and Titus and, you know, Paul always starts off, Hey, I'm an apostle called by God. Right. And he talks right. to Timothy too. And he tells Timothy, fulfill your calling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, a, you know, a lot of people say, well, Paul's saying I'm an apostle called by God to kind of, um, to uh, address his critics who may question his authority and all of that. And I was thinking the other day, I wonder, maybe that's part of it, but it may be a part of that's just reminding Timothy, hey, I'm called by God, you're called by God, we got to keep fighting this fight and uh, we, there's no quitting. Your job's going to be tough, right? Cause Timothy was in a couple messed up churches or in Ephesus, which was a mess yeah. and, uh, and say, Hey, you're called by God to do this, fulfill your calling and keep, keep fighting the good fight. And uh, I think there's a, uh, there's just a lot to that, that staying power in the ministry that comes from just feeling called by God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've been in, uh, so you went to Calvin Sem. Yeah. And uh, so, were, and were you a residential student at Calvin Sum? Yeah, I, I, I was uh, in the traditional program. I was set up nicely to do it in three years, but with uh, the full-time work that to provide for the family that I need during that time, not knowing how much family there was going to be to provide for. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we planned on doing it in four years. And, okay. and that's why I did in the traditional uh, residential. Yeah. Program. And so what was your experience at Calvin Seminary? Um, my experience at Calvin Seminary, uh, with the, everything changing and going on in my family, uh, and also working full-time, part of it was just getting through and surviving. Uh, I had classmates. Uh, there was a good group of, of uh, classmates that graduated from Kuiper uh, the year or two years before, as well as with me, and we all went to Calvin together. And I had a couple of classmates that were really frustrated at uh, some of the things that they were doing at Calvin, where they felt they were redoing stuff they did at Kuiper already. And they were disappointed with the levels of um, the, the education kind of that they were, it, it was more basic than what we were really prepared for. Uh, for me, those classes were just a blessing because I didn't have to focus as hard on them. And I could focus <laughs> on the places where I was struggling, the Hebrew and other challenges and, yeah. and, and just continue to, to move forward and survive. So, so yeah, uh, Calvin, there were a couple of classes where I'm like, boy, I'm not at Kuiper anymore. This is 
a different level, but there was a lot of stuff that was kind of a repeat and stuff we'd done before and stuff that I was fairly disappointing in what uh, I was learning there, but I had my mentor before I had headed there is constant theme to me was, you know, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad, eat the fish, leave the bones and, and go through and, and the call us to the church on the other side. And so that was kind of the, the attitude that I took towards um, Calvin Seminary in, to some extent. So blessings and encouraging things there, but also some of the disappointments I expected uh, were played out and did, did come to life there too. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's fairly reflective of mine too. I suppose sometimes on here, I'm just complaining about it, but I had good experiences at Calvin too, and found some really good friends and connections. Had some really, some of the professors I really appreciated. I appreciated Wyma and uh, Williams and, and uh, we had a, I, being a, I was a distant student. So we had a bunch of, I had a lot of adjunct professors who came in and uh, some of them were really, really good. Mm-hmm. And some of them were not good at all. Um, and so I had this kind of wide range of experience where I'd have one yeah. really good class and I felt like I was being taken deep and, um, and then other classes too, where I had the same thing. I was, a I went to uh, Northwestern college in St. Paul, which is like a Baptist college or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they have a bachelor's in ministry, which is basically just a bachelor's MDiv class. And so when I, yeah, I came into Calvin and I'm like, oh, I learned all this in my undergrad, a lot of this in my undergrad. And we, we went through, of course, it was a Baptist college. So we went through Grudem's systematic theology, but we went through that in a year and two semesters, just like we did at Calvin. And, and I was like, man, we're not really touching any going much further in depth. I would, I like systematic theology a lot. So I was really looking forward to those classes and diving into Bovink and, um, and, uh, yeah, I was, that was probably my biggest disappointment was our systematic theology classes. And, and maybe it was part of my distance education. I didn't have a lot of options for electives. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking forward to taking some classes on like books of the Bible. Like I did take a, a first and second Thessalonians with Wyma and I was looking forward to taking some of those, but I didn't get those options much as a distance student. I had to, I was kind of forced to take a lot of the quote unquote practical courses that were um that and some of them were good and some of them were not not as helpful but and so you graduated from calvin and you said now you've been at coopersville for four and a half years is that what you said yeah four and a half years since i started here going into october october will be five years since i started here so okay yeah yeah so one of the questions that we we ask everybody is Um, just kind of, you know, you've, you've, you grew up Baptist, you said, and came to the reformed faith, but you've been in the CRC for quite a while. Um, and so what, what are some of the strengths that you see, um, in the Christian reformed church? Yeah, I would say, um, one of the strengths and the, the blessings that, um, I came into the church, uh, learning about was, uh, as I was getting, getting started and felt called into to, to make profession of faith and join a CRC congregation, I started reading through the uh, Heidelberg and especially the Belgic Confession, and I was just blown away. Uh, I had decent 
background. Um, not only was I Baptist, but I was Reformed Baptist, so we were on the same page on the doctrines of grace and so forth, but just the way that uh, the Heidelberg and especially the Belgic laid some of these things out, I was just floored by and so blessed and encouraged. And, um, you know, that confessional aspect uh, uh, to the to the Reformed tradition and and our three forms of unity, I just have so much um, so much respect and they're so practical and helpful. And yeah, that's that's been one of the greatest strengths and blessings that I've been encouraged by um, in, in the denomination during during my time here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't remember, I was talking to somebody the other day too. Um, I really appreciate Tom Askell, who's, you know, kind of in that reformed Baptist world. And even, even he was uh, the other day, he was talking about how beautiful the Heidelberg catechism is and, and all of that. And I said, man, that, that tells you a lot when a Baptist is going to praise a document that, that promotes infant baptism. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, and these confessions, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, one of the things that keeps coming up as I have these interviews with pastors throughout the CRC is how many of, of the conservative pastors in the CRC did not grow up in the CRC. Yeah. And, uh, and how many of them come in and say, man, the strength of our denomination is our confessions. Yeah. And how many people who have grown up in the CRC have begun to say like, well, the confessions, they're just the, you know, and it, it's one of those things you kind of grow up with it and then you, you take it for granted and you have this kind of new blood coming in and saying, no, this is really good. Don't, don't ignore this. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that is, that's been my, my experience. Uh, the confessions have been a, a gift and encouragement to me. Yeah. And, and there's such, they're, uh, one of the things that I've, experience just in in shepherding our my youth ministry before this but even now my current church i've been here about three years now um is just they're they're a really great powerful tool for for shepherding a flock um and how we really dove into it um in our youth ministry it was kind of funny because we were recognizing we had a lot of um our our youth group was pretty evangelistic probably 50 60 percent of the youth group at one point were unchurched kids and they were coming to the faith and we had all these immature Christians like, man, we need to lay some groundwork. How do we do that? And one of our leaders who had grown up in the CRC said, well, we have the creeds and confessions. Why don't we use those? (laughs) And I remember just kind of like face plant going, duh. Yeah. (laughs) And so we started working through the Heidelberg catechism and, and all of the kids were like, wow, we've never learned this. We don't know this. And even the kids who had grown up in the church for a long time were saying, man, we hadn't thought of it that way. And, and so that kind of became just a, a massive part of our youth ministry. And now as I've taken on a, a um, you know, a, a bigger congregation, I'm taking on a lead pastor role. I've been incorporating the confessions in a lot of what I do. And, uh, and I'm seeing the adults respond the same way saying, wow, we've never heard some of this stuff before. And man, this is pretty good stuff. And this is helpful. And, and uh, so there's such a powerful tool that, um, that, I think is taken for granted quite often. Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, thankful. I've had the opportunity to preach through the Heidelberg once and um, doing it now in, in the midst of preaching through it a second time and had the opportunity to preach through the Belgic as well as the series and the Kansas Dort. And um, those have all been good and, and received well. And 
then we have a couple of uh, new members uh, classes going right now and walking through the Heidelberg with them. And it's just uh, being reminded of all, all the, the fruit there and uh, seeing people here for the first time. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, uh, just this past Sunday, I didn't preach on it, but it was part of my sermon um, just referencing Heidelberg catechism question answer one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and every time I read it, I just think this is just powerful. I mean, this is, there's a reason why that's one of the most well-known, it is the most well-known question and answer from the catechism, because it just, it sums everything up really well. And I told her, I remember we got done and I told our church, if we could just get this, we could understand this, let this get into our heart and live this. Um, that would be, that would be a massive, massive step in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So what have you, what have you seen Lloyd, even maybe during your time at seminary or even just in your, your time in ministry in the CRC, what are some of the things that you see maybe concerning you in in the Christian reformed church? Yeah. um, Concerns in the Christian reformed church. uh, I'm continuing to grow in my understanding, I think of how divergent our views are when we come to scripture and how we're understanding scriptural authority uh, in the in the interactions with um, you know pastors in in uh, in various settings and and listening to uh, fellow ministers in the CRC. Sometimes you just wonder and scratch your head about that. Uh, they they they're not talking about the biblical authority in the same way that I feel the confessions do, and certainly not in the same way that. I would see and and describe uh, and look towards God's word. And I think that's kind of a longstanding um, problem uh, that we've had in our denomination that I wasn't aware of until, you know, just uh, in the last year or two that that's come to light to me that uh, we had a decision. I don't even remember if it is 1970 or 1972, somewhere back in that time, uh, decision of synod. And, and yeah, we kind of left the door open in this decision to a broad interpretation of God's word. And um, boy, we're reaping the fruit of that today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's leading to all kinds of divisions because if, if we're not on the same page on the rule book on, on God's word as, and it, its guidance for our lives, we're going to be all over the map. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Lloyd Hemstreet. Until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.